All right, Jabo, say good morning. Let us begin. Thank our sponsors for the year. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Shvat, the Elbaum family for dedicating all of the Sherman Trashos this month in commemoration of the yard site of their loving husband and father, Jerry Yaakov Kabul ben Avram Menachem. To thank Mrs. Bracha Strimber for dedicating all the Sherman Trashos this month in memory of Avi Strimber, Avram ben Kalman Eliezer Halevi. To thank our Week of Learning sponsors, Gail and Doug Stenger, in honor of their grandson, Etl Mordechai Weinberg, who in Merz Hashem became a bar mitzvah yesterday, will in Merz Hashem continue with Simcha. This coming Shabbos, we thank Maish and Devorah Wordershine for dedicating all the shurim, for dedicating all the learning this week in the Shchus of Rafua Shlema for Yara Galit Bas Shai Etel. We hope that the merit of our Talmud Torah, she together with Kol Chole Yisrael will have a complete and enduring Rafua, and all the Nishamas should have an Aliyah and the families a Nechama. And once with that, let us begin. I want to give a special thank you to Rav Kamen Akiva for delivering the shir this week and doing such a beautiful and masterful job. Yes, Shekayach, thank you very much. Mosey, with that, let us begin with a beautiful daf. I had a re- really, actually, like, a fascinating Gemara with a ton of halacha lamais of sugyas. Try to get to as many as we can over the course of this year. But we are picking up, and today's daf is Ayin Vav 76, and we are picking up on Ayin Hamad Bay's 75B at the Mishnah. So Mosey, this is really a, a, a quite a, a fascinating a fascinating Gemara, or a fascinating Mishnah. Naga Bachar So Shaltana. So we'll say, okay, so remember, we're talking about roasting the carbon Pesach. So imagine for a moment you're roasting the carbon Pesach in a tanner, in an oven. Now, let's understand over here, roasting the carbon Pesach in a tanner by itself is not necessarily problematic, as long as, in other words, you, you could roast the oven, sorry, you could roast the, the Pesach in an in a, in a oven, but it has to be roasted over a fire. Remember, again, as opposed to roasting, which is sometimes performed with the fire on top and, let's say, the meat on the bottom. So, carbon Pesach could be roasted in what's called the tanur, as long as, again, the animal itself is not touching the sides of the tanur. It could be suspended in the tanur with an active live fire on the bottom of the tanur. Fine. So, now says the Mishnah, what happens if over the course of the roasting, the carbon Pesach itself touches the side of the oven. So it touches the side of the oven. So the meat itself comes in kind of with the side of the oven. What's the halacha? Yiklof es mokomo. You will say, now yiklof literally means you have to peel away, you have to peel away the layer of flesh that came in contact with the tanner. We'll say, what's the problem with it coming in contact with the tanner? So remember again, carbon Pesach has to be tzliesh. Has to be tzliesh, which means it has to be roasted by fire. The moment that it's the moment that it comes in contact with the tanner means that piece of meat became cooked through contact with hot metal. So it doesn't disqualify the carbon in its entirety, but what it does do is disqualify the piece of meat, the piece of the carbon which came in contact with the hot metal surface. So yuklof means you just have cut off, you have peel off, you peel off the outer layer that came in contact with the oven, and the rest is good to go. Both of us listen to this case. Listen to this case. Let's say some gravy dripped off. Some gravy dripped off from the from the from the carbon pesach, fell onto the oven, and then splashed back onto the carbon pesach. So notaf So the gravy dripped off the carbon onto the oven, splashed back from the oven onto the carbon. Then you have to remove that area of meat where the gravy splashed back on. I will say, let's, let's just identify our terms. 
we're now introduced to two different ideas. There's Yiklof Es Makomo and Yitol Es Makomo. Yiklof Es Makomo just means the removal of a very thin outer layer. Yitol Es Makomo means you have to take a bit more meat. What's the difference between the two cases? In case number one, the meat came in contact with the surface of the oven. We assume, therefore, again, it's only the outer, the outer layer that really is impacted by that connection. Masha'in came gravy, liquid, gets absorbed back into the Karba Pesach. Therefore, halacha lemais, it's not just enough to remove a little bit of an outer layer, but you have to remove a bit more meat wherever the gravy could have gotten absorbed into it. So we'll say, so again, so case number one, the Pesach comes in contact with the surface of the oven. Case number two, the gravy drips off onto the oven, splashes back, and is absorbed into the carbon Pesach. Good. Natav merotva ala solas. We'll say, what happens if halacha lemaisa, some of the gravy, some of the gravy drips off onto solace. Let's say you have some flour that's accumulated. What's the halacha? Yikmots es makomo. So ultimately, again, in that case, halacha lamaisa, you have to go at, now yikmots, you're also familiar with that word, kmitza. Remember, whenever you're dealing with gravy, so we assume that gravy gets absorbed, not just on the thin layer of the surface, but gravy gets absorbed a little bit more inside of the item in which it is being absorbed. So if it gets absorbed into flour, you have to take a little bit of a handful of flour out. And what happens if you basted your carbon Pesach in oil of truma? You smeared it in truma oil. Now remember, that's not necessarily a problem. In chaburas kohanim yochelu. Right? If your chabura is a chabura of kohanim, no problem. Let them enjoy. In shal Yisrael, however, what happens if your chabura is a chabura of Yisraelim? So both say, so now remember, Yisrael can't eat shemen shal truma, can't eat truma oil. So what do you do? So it depends. Im chayu yadichenu. If you discovered what you did and the animal is still raw, no problem. Just wash off the animal. Just wash it off. Because remember, everything is cold. The animal is raw. Just wash it off. The Shem and goes away. In Tzlihu, but however, if you already roasted it, Yiklof Esachitzon. All you need to do is to remove a very thin outer peel. Right? Remove the thin outer layer of the carbon Pesach. And halacha lamaisa, now he's talking about saying, I know what you're thinking. Why is this different than the gravy case? Again, we'll see in the Gemara. What happens if you, if you basted the Pesach in oil of Maeser Sheni? So we'll say, so remember again, that by itself is not problematic either. Because you remember, where are you eating carbon Pesach? We're eating carbon Pesach. In Yerushalayim, so not a problem. However, lo So let's listen to this. Now, normally, remember again when you had carbon pesach. So bepashtos. Okay, if it was your family, that's one thing. But if you're joining with a whole bunch of people, what would happen? You would go ahead and you would split the cost of the carbon pesach amongst the participants. So let's say there's ten of us. Let's say the animal costs, uh, you know, whatever it is, a hundred dollars. So okay, ten dollars a person. But let's say halacha v'maisa. Now, I, I, right, I, I took charge of the Chabura, so I smeared the animal with my oil of my Sashini. With my, with my oil of my Sashini. So we'll say, so the Mishnah is saying, I can't build the cost of that my Sashini oil into the cost per participant in the Pesach, because that would be the equivalent of redeeming my Sashini for money in Yerushalayim. Now remember, you have the ability to redeem Maeser Sheni or to transfer Maeser Sheni's sanctity onto money, but that's only outside of Yerushalayim. Once you get into Yerushalayim, there is no more redemption of Maeser Sheni. So therefore, again, I can't, essentially, if I want to use Maeser Sheni oil to base the Pesach, I can do that, but I must absorb that cost in its entirety and cannot pass on that cost to any of the participants. Beautiful. So we'll say now we get to a great soge. Itmar. We'll say cham 
So we'll say, listen to this case. Look at the last Rashi in the Daf. Cham l'socham. Basar rosech l'socham l'rosech. O echad shal iser ve'echad shal. So we'll say, now watch this. Let's see how the following case. Let's just, let's just illustrate this in, in a very simple way like Rashi does. Imagine for a moment you have meat and milk combination. Meat and milk are being mixed together. And what's the case? So So let's say the meat is, is falling into the milk. So let's say the meat is hot and the milk is hot. So that's an easy case. Everybody agrees that of course the resulting mixture is going to be usr. Why? Because since they're both hot, there's obviously a transference of taste. If you have meat and milk, right? The piece of meat which falls into a, into a bowl of milk and they're both cold, assuming you don't let it sit there for 24 hours, everybody agrees that what? It's mutter. Right? You take out the meat, you wash it off, and you're good to go. Now, we'll say, now watch this. We'll say, what happens if the hot meat falls into cold milk? Or cold, or cold meat falls into hot milk? So, we'll say, so now, essentially, so what happens in, in, in the case of where one of them is hot and one of them is cold? Right? What's the halacha in that situation? So, we'll say, now watch this. Rav Amar Eli Gavar. Shmuel Amr Tesoy Gavar. We'll say, here we go. This is a Yisodistic Machlok. It's very exciting. So we'll say, so Rav says, Rav says, the nature or what we'll call the temperature of the mixture is determined by the, we'll call it the upper item, which is the item that falls in. Shmuel says the temperature of the mixture is defined ultimately, again, by the bottom item, the item that receives the item that falls in. Now we'll say, now what they're arguing about over here is as follows, that when you have a hot-cold mixture, do we view the mixture as hot? And therefore, again, there are bliosis, transference of taste. And therefore, you really do have a, a, a halachic problem. Or, right, do, that, that, that's really what it, which, which item determines the temperature of the mixture. So Rav says, the upper item, Eloi Gavar. Shmuel says, Tasai Gavar, the bottom item. If you just think, well, we're not going to do Rashi's, but you'll look on your own, they're very good Rashi's, Eloi and, and Shmuel Tasai, but we'll go weiter. So Tanan, Natav Merot Valachar, so we'll say, let's analyze this. Let's analyze this. So we'll say, so remember, you could have the same exact case. I just want to point out something amazing over here. The same exact case, a hot piece of meat, Falls into a cold bowl, a, a cold, a cold, a cold bowl of milk. So I will say, so now listen to this. Rav will say, Basar b'chalaf. It's Aser. They're both Aser. Eli Gavar, right? The meat was hot, then makes the mixture hot, and therefore those transference of taste. Shmuel says, it's fine. Well, we'll see exactly what Shmuel says. But for now, Shmuel says, it's fine. The bottom, right? The milk is cold. The bottom item determines the temperature of the mixture. No basar b'chal. We'll say, same exact case. One will say it's Isidar Isa. One will say it's Mutter. Wild, wild, wild. So, Tanan, Natav Merot for Allah Cheres. We'll say, now remember, so let's go back. Let's analyze this Mishnah. Let's analyze this Machlokas through the lens of the Mishnah. Remember, what did the Mishnah say? Natav Merot for Allah Right? Let's say some of the gravy of the carbon Pesach fell on the wall of the oven, and then remember what happened, then splashed back onto the carbon Pesach itself. So not of Merot for Alacheres Vachazer Elov, Yitalas Makomo. So what do you have to do? Halachalamaisa, you have to strip away, you have to strip away a little layer of meat from the carbon Pesach. So the Gemara says, now let's analyze this case, I will say. We're assuming now Kasagadaitra Bikheres Sonanes. Now I will say it's interesting. The Gemara is presupposing that the cheres, right, the earthenware utensil itself is cold, is cold. So what's the case, Rabbi? So let's analyze the case. You have gravy, 
coming off the carbon Pesach, right? So the gravy drips off the Pesach onto the cold oven, right? Splashes back then from the oven back into the Pesach, okay? So we'll say, so remember again, let's, before we even know this, what's happening over here? What is this a case of? What is this a case of? Hot gravy on top, cold cheres on the bottom, right? Gravy's hitting the cheres and then bouncing back ultimately to the carbon Pesach. So now watch this. So remember, so the Mishnah said, the Mishnah said, this case is actually not such a big deal. What do you have to do? I'm sorry, this case is a big deal. Yitalas Makomo. You have to go ahead and not just remove a little bit of a layer, but you have to remove something a bit more substantive from the Pesach. Because remember, like Rashi said in the Mishnah, gravy gets absorbed into the meat. So you have to, Rashi doesn't, you know, the Mishnah doesn't give us an exact amount, but as opposed to yiklof, which just means a very thin outer layer, yital asmokomo clearly means you have to take out a little bit more of a chunk of the meat. Any area where the gravy could have gotten absorbed. So watch this. So according to Rav, according to Rav, this Mishnah makes sense. Because remember, Rav says that whenever you have two items, the temperature of the mixture is determined by what? By what? By the upper item. So this case makes perfect sense. Therefore, what? This is why when the gravy splashes back onto the Pesach, you have to remove a little bit of the chunk of the meat. Why? Because what happens when hot gravy falls onto cold earthenware? So remember, the hot gravy heats up the earthenware. Because remember, Rav says, It's the top, the upper item which determines the temperature of the mixture. Now this is where it gets wild. So remember, in Rav's view of Eli Gavar, remember, no matter which way you hold in this, when Rav says Eli Gavar, that means it is the top item which determines the temperature of the mixture, which means that the top item overtakes and fundamentally changes the bottom item. So watch what happens according to Rav. The hot gravy falls onto the cold earthenware. And what does the hot gravy effectively do? What does it do? What does it do? It heats up the earthenware. So now the gravy is now, the great hot gravy falls onto the cold earthenware, heats up the cold earthenware, and therefore now the earthenware is viewed as heating up the gravy. Now we have a problem. Why? Because now you have carbon Pesach gravy that was heated by something other than Tzli'ish, other than a fire. It was heated by metal. And now what's going to happen? And now what happens? You have gravy that was heated up by metal that now splashes back into the carbon Pesach, which means now that what? The carbon Pesach itself has effectively been at least partially cooked by something other than the open fire. A dramatic shita. And the Torah explicitly says, Karab Pesach is only Tzli'esh and not Tzli as a result of anything else. Therefore, according to Rav, according to Rav, the statement of the Mishnah makes sense. Therefore, Now again, to be clear, this doesn't invalidate the Pesach, but what it just requires is for you to remove the piece of meat that absorbed the gravy. That's what it does require. But according to Shmuel, Bosei, who holds that it is the bottom item, which ultimately goes in and determines the nature of the mixture, Cheres, Kevin the Tzonin, who akure maker the Rotov, Amai Yitales Makomo. I will say, according to Shmuel, when, who says, Tesoi Gavar, Tesoi Gavar, the bottom item is what determines the nature of the mixture, then what? When hot gravy falls onto cold earthenware, what's the status? What's the status? Cold. 
Right? And therefore, essentially, the grave, really, the earthenware cools down the gravy so that when the gravy actually falls, you know, splashes back into the Pesach, there is no heating up from a cheres. So therefore, according, really, according to Shmuel, ultimately, why should you have to remove really any part of the carbon Pesach? It's cold gravy splashing back onto the carbon Pesach, which should have absolutely no impact. To which the Gemara says, We'll see a, bit, a little bit later on. It's dealing with hot flour. So we'll see what that means in just a moment. So too over here, we're dealing with a hot earthenware stove. So we'll say, the Gemara says, we were wrong. We were presupposing for some reason that the earthenware container was cold. And that's why it would be a support for Rav, but a Shailan Shmuel. But in fact, the earthenware container is Hot, which makes sense, because if you're talking about roasting the carbon Pesach inside of an earthenware container on top of a fire, the pashtos, the earthenware container, gets hot. And therefore, I will say, because it's hot, what is this a case of? What is it, what is the case of? This is a case of cham l'soch cham, of a hot item going into a hot item, which everyone agrees what? Is aser. Right, that's how that's how the Gemara started. That's how the Itmar started out. So it's hot gravy onto a hot earthenware container, and therefore when it splashes back onto the current Pesach. Everyone agrees that you have to remove a chunk of the Pesach where the gravy could have gotten absorbed into. Good. So we'll say we're not finished yet. Still machlok is Rav Shmuel. So tnan not tough merot for Allah solas. So we'll say now listen to this. If some of the gravy, if some of the gravy went ahead and got absorbed into flour, yikmots esmakomo, you have to go ahead and remove that section of gravy, that, that section of flour, excuse me. So now we're assuming over here that we're once again talking about flour that's cold. So according to Raf, who says that it is the upper item which determines the temperature of the mixture, it makes sense that you have to remove a handful of flour. Why? Because what happens? Because the hot gravy falls onto the cold flour, heats up the cold flour. The hadar hodrane, the hadra solas mrasachaladiday. And then I will say, what happens? So we'll say, what happens over here? So if the remember, according to Rav, so the hot hot gravy falls onto the cold flour. The hot gravy heats up the cold flour. The cold flour then becomes hot. Then again, so to speak, quote unquote, cooks or heats up the gravy. And it turns out that what? You now have gravy of carbon Pesach that has been cooked by something other than Tzli'esh. And that's why ultimately, again, the gravy is going to be Aser, but because gravy, remember, gets absorbed, you can't, you have to remove a little, you have to remove a handful of the flour. The according to Rav, you understand, by the way, how far, how far this concept of Eloi Gavar goes. You will say, it's not just the Pshat, just so you see, before you saw these Gemaras, you would say, okay, Eloi Gavar means, so if I have hot meat that falls into cold milk, so therefore, Allah said, the, the, the upper item is what determines the temperature of the mixture, and it's considered as if they, they're cooking together. Now, so you see, it's actually a step further, that when a hot item falls into a cold item, we view it halachically as if, according to Rav, that the hot item actually heats up the, bottom, the top item heats up the bottom item, and, th- and, what, and then there's another step. And then the bottom item, the bottom item, so to speak, goes back to go ahead and cook the upper item, which is why that when you have Pesach gravy that falls into flour, falls into flour, so hot gravy that falls into flour, the hot gravy heats up the flour, the flour is now is heated, as a result now the flour itself, quote-unquote, 
cooks the gravy. And now I have Pesach gravy that was cooked by something other than Tzli'esh. And Halach Lama that is awesome. So it's a just, it's, it's an incredible, incredible Chiddush, how Rav is understanding this. El Lushmuel, Dharma Tesoi Gavar, Solas Kevin Tzonenesi, Akure Kamekerle, Lamali Yikmot Ses Makomo, but according to Shmuel Bose, who says, Tesoi Gavar, says the bottom item determines the temperature. So if the flour is cold, if the flour is cold, then when the gravy falls into the flour, Bose, what really happens? What really happens? The gravy is cooled off. And if the gravy is cooled off, the story's done. So again, I'll say, really, really, in this case, you shouldn't have to remove anything, right? If you think about it, it's so is again about what to do with that next parrot, with that next, with those parentheses. So we'll just, the, the maram takes it out, but we'll just leave it alone for now. But the point over here is if you hold the side, Gavar, you don't have to remove a handful of flour. You really don't, at, at most, maybe a klipa, maybe a, maybe a thin layer, but you certainly don't have to take a kmitza. No, what's the case? The case of Osai is not, the flour wasn't cold, the flour was hot. So therefore, Osai, as we go through the cases in the Mishnah, so therefore we've established, number one, that the case of the gravy falling onto the cheres is a case where the cheres is hot. The case of the gravy falling into the, falling into the flour, it's a case where the flour is hot. And therefore, again, really because it's hot, this Mishnah does not get into the discussion or the machlokis of Rav and Shmuel, right? Rav and Shmuel are only dealing with the case where one item is cold and one item is hot. So which, how, how do you determine the temperature of the mixture? Rav saying Yiloi Gavar, upper item, Shmuel saying Tisoi Gavar, lower item, to which the Gemara is effectively saying, our Mishnah is not dealing, not, not wading into this machlokis. Because our Mishnah, both say so far as we've established it is what? Is a case of Cham Luso Cham, a hot item falling into a hot item. So Tinan, Sacha B'Shem Mishal Truma, so let's go keep going through the Mishnah. So what do we learn in the Mishnah? Sacha B'Shem Mishal Truma, if you basted your carbon Pesach in Truma oil, Im Chaburas Kohanim Yochelu, if you have a Chabura of Kohanim, no problem, eat it. Im Shal Yisrael, if it's a group of Yisraelim, so I'm say, I can't, if I'm, I'm a Yisrael, I can't eat carbon Pesach basted in Truma oil, so what do I do? Im Chayhu Yadichenu, if the carbon is still raw, then Allah Chalamai said, just wash it off. Just wash off the oil. But if I roasted it already, then what? Then just go ahead and take off the outer, the thin outer layer of the Pesach. So Bishlam al-Rav da'amra ilai gavar amatu lahachi sagilei b'klipa. Mishum dilai tzoninhu. So we'll say, according to Rav, I and the Rav says ilai gavar. Right? Remember again, I've also said the assumption is the oil is cold, right? When you apply the oil, the oil is cold. And therefore, Allah ha'lamaisa again, all you need to do is just take off a little klipa. However, according to Shmuel, the Shmuel Dhamar Tesai Gavar, Kevan Dechamhu, Mivla Bala, Amai Sagile Beklipa, Nisar Legamre. So, we'll say, but according to Shmuel who says, Tesai Gavar, then Halach Lamaisa, the bottom item, i.e., the Pesach is hot. So, shouldn't we say that the oil is fully, fully absorbed throughout the entire carbon Pesach, and removing a Klipa should not be enough? The entire Pesach should be Asa, because Halach Lamaisa, Halach Lamaisa, you have a Pesach that's absorbed Shuma oil. To which the Gemara will say, first white line, shiny sicha demashu ba'amahu davida. It's interesting. Apparently, when you baste, when the, at least when the Mishnah is talking about basting, it was really a very, very, very small amount of oil, a negligible amount of liquid. So, because that's a negligible amount, a negligible amount of liquid, even Shmuel, who holds the Gavar, the bottom item is right, is the one that determines the. The bottom item determines the temperature, and the bottom item is hot. Here, because it's such a small, negligible, negligible amount, 
all you require is the removal of a klipa. Okay. Tanya kavase dishwa. So we'll say, so now we are still, so it turns out, it turns out, we'll say, just simply put, our Mishnah has nothing to do with Tamachlokis Rav and Shmuel. Right? That, that's bottom line, right? Case number one of the, of the Cheres is dealing with a case of a Cheres that is hot. Case number two of the flower, the grape that falls into the flower, the flower is hot. Case number three, ultimately again, of the carbon being basted with the oil of Truma is dealing with a very, very negligible amount of oil where everyone will agree that Allah so all you require is a klipa. So bottom line, the, the halachas of our Mishnah, nothing to do with Machlokis Rav and Shmuel. So therefore, the Gemara says as follows. Let's analyze the Machlokis a little bit more, though. Tanya Kavasi the Shmuel. But said that supports Shmuel. Remember again, Shmuel holds, Shmuel holds, Tisai Gavar. Right? The easy way to remember it is Rav, Rav, shorter name, right? Lighter, lighter things usually rise up to the top. So Rav, Eli, Gavar, Shmuel, longer name, heavier things usually to sink to the bottom. Tisai Gavar. Easy way to remember it. So the Gemara says as follows, or you could just memorize it. Tanya Kavasi the Shmuel. Cham Cham Aser. If a hot item falls into a hot item, it is aser. V'chintzonin shenasan l'socham. Aser. Similarly, again, I will say, now, but I want to point out, cham l'socham, everyone agrees, right? That's, 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 that's not, that, that case is not an argument case. Hot item falls into a hot item, obviously, there's a transference of taste. What about tzonin shenasan l'socham? If a cold item falls into a hot item, Aser. Ultimately, again, it is aser. This is Shita Shmuel. Cham l'soch tzonin. However, what happens if a hot item falls into a cold item, like a hot piece of meat falls into a cold bowl of milk, or tzonin l'soch tzonin, or for that matter, cold meat falls into cold milk, halacha l'maysa madiach. All you need to do is wipe it off. So we'll say this is Shita Shmuel. Everything is determined by the temperature of the bottom item. And therefore, again, if I have hot meat that falls into cold milk, Shmuel said, again, the, the two, the two, the two bookend cases of Cham Lusol Cham, Tzorim Tzonin, everyone agrees in those cases. Hot item falls into a hot item, Aser. Cold item falls into a cold item, all you need to do is wipe off the meat and you're good to go. So the Gemara asked an interesting question. Cham Lusol Tzonin Madiach, so now you told me that when a hot item falls into a cold item, all you need to do is wipe it off. So a hot piece of meat that falls into a cold bowl of milk, all you need to do is wipe off the meat. But one second. When hot meat falls into cold milk, as much as you want to say that the bottom item determines the temperature, but as the milk cools off the meat, is there not some absorption that occurs in those few moments? Something, something. Should you not have to remove at least the klipa of the meat? In other words, we have to acknowledge that when something boiling hot falls into something cold, if you ever want to say the bottom item will go ahead and overtake the upper item, there's still those couple of moments where the hot item is still hot. Is there not some level of absorption? In other words, I will say, it doesn't, it doesn't make the, it won't make the hot item usser, but should you not at least remove a klipa's worth of the hot item? To which the Gemara says, Ela ima, Ela ima, cham l'soch tzonin kolif, tzonin l'soch tzonin madiach. So the Gemara says, according to Shmuel, when a hot item falls into a cold item, you'll have to remove a klipa. You will remove just a small outer strip, a small outer layer, but when cold falls into cold, all you need to do is wipe it off. Tanya idach, another b'risa, basura seach sh'nafalosoch, hot meat that falls into hot milk, v'chin tzonin sh'nafalosocham, or for that matter, cold meat that falls into hot milk, aser, aser, cham l'soch tzonin, what happens if hot meat falls into cold milk, or tzonin l'soch tzonin, or cold meat falls into cold milk, madiach, 
All you need to do is wipe it off. So it says the Gemara again. So when hot meat falls into cold milk, all you need to do is wipe off the meat. Since the meat is hot, as it's cooling down, certainly it absorbs something. So the Gemara says, You should at least have to remove a klipa. Rather, again, according to Shmuel, what you'll have to say is when a hot item falls into a cold item, you remove a klipa. But when a cold item falls into a cold item, all you need to do is go ahead and wipe it off. So we'll say, so this is incredibly important. So therefore, so it turns out is as follows. Machlok is Rav and Shmuel. Rav says, Eli Gavar, upper item determines the nature of the nature of the mixture. So if the upper item is hot, it's a hot mixture, and therefore Allah again transfers of the Shmuel says to Saigavar. It is the bottom item which determines the nature of the mixture. Now what we've seen is a very important qualification to Shita Shmuel, which is that even when a hot piece of meat falls into a cold bowl of milk, which now both say again to Saigavar, Shmuel holds the bottom item bottom item determines everything. Therefore according to Shmuel, this is a cold mixture. It's true it's a cold mixture, but we do recognize that it takes a little bit of time for the meat to be overtaken by the cold milk, the hot meat to be overtaken by the cold milk. There is some layer, uh, there is some level of absorption, and therefore, in that case, you would have to remove a klipa. So therefore, cham l'socham, everyone agrees, aser. Tzonin l'soch, tzonin, cold into cold, halacha l'maisa, again, only requires hadacha, a wiping off. Shmuel will say, cham l'soch, tzonin, Hot falls into cold, that will require a klipa. Good. So we said before that when, let's say, cold meat falls into cold milk, all you need to do is wipe off the meat. That's only if one of the items is not salted. But if one of the items is salted, aser. Then I will say, ultimately, the mixture becomes aser. Why? Damer Shmuel, maliach harihu kroseach. Because I say, salting is like roasting. So if one of the items in the mixture is salted, then Allah said that is the equivalent of the two items being roasted, being, being roasted together. Maliach kroseach, means that when a salad item sits in a liquid for more than 24 hours, that affects a cooking process. But not our topic for now. But Rava comes along and says, by the way, when Shmuel said that a salted item is like items are roasted together, so the Gemara That's only so if one of the items is so salted that it can't be eaten as a result of its saltiness. That's what I will say. But if an item is so salted that it cannot be consumed as a result of its saltiness, then it's as if the two items are roasted together. Hahu bar gozla, was an interesting case. He had a pigeon. As obviously talking about a, a, a dead pigeon, a shechted pigeon, right? A raw shechted pigeon that fell into a bowl of kamcha. Rashi says kamcha is kusach. Old is kusach. Let's say, right? All roads lead back to kusach, right? Our favorite Babylonian dish made of curdled milk, right? Spied moldy bread, and I'm sure a couple of other ingredients. So I'll say, so again, but bottom line for our purposes today, it's milchiks. That's the point over here, right? So I have a raw pigeon that fell into the kusach. Sharia Ravchinna Braidra me Pashrunya. So this is this Ravchinna Braidra from Pashrunya permitted the pigeon. So you can eat the pigeon. Amar Rava Man Chachem Lameshe Milsa Kiha. So Rava said, who is as smart as to permit such a thing? He's such a smart man. 
Because what was the Chiddush here? Kusach, Kusach, or Kamchaz, they're calling it over here, is salted. It's salted. So one second, so now I have a pigeon. Bepashtus, the pigeon is, remember, the, the pigeon is, the, everything is cold, right? The Kusach is cold, the pigeon is cold. So this is a case of Tzonin L'Soch Tzonin. But the Kusach is salted. So doesn't the presence of salt make it as if the items are being cooked together? No. So, Because as Shmuel said, remember the issue of Maliach Kiroseach, when does, when do we say that a salted item, Halacha Lamaisa again, is like roasting? That's only when it's so salted that it can't be eaten as a result of its saltiness. That's obviously not the case on the Kusach. But this is only true if the pigeon was raw. About sleep by Kliba. But if the pigeon was roasted and then it fell into the Kusach, you would have to remove an outer layer of the pigeon. And this is only true if the, if the flesh of the pigeon was smooth without cracks. About Ispepili, but if it had cracks in the skin, Osir. Ultimately, again, we would, assume, we would assume that some of the kusach is absorbed into the cracks, and therefore the pigeon cannot be eaten. Vimetubal betavli. Furthermore, again, if the pigeon was seasoned, then alocha lemaisa aser, because we assume that ultimately, again, the seasoning makes the flesh even softer, and therefore it would absorb from the kusach. Incredible. Amar Rav. Rav says this as well. Say again. We don't. Well, I'm going to try to see time. This this machlokes Rav and Shmuel is brought down in Yaradeya. And Simon Sadik Aleph, Simon Sadik Aleph, Sif Dalit. So if we get to it, I'm going to hope that we're going to get to it today, Meretz Hashem. But we're going to see, we actually pass in like Shmuel. Halach Alamaisa, we pass in to Soy Gavar. That when you have a mixture of items, it is the bottom item that ultimately, again, determines the temperature of the mixture. But yet, we're going to see that we actually pass in like Shmuel both all the qualifications of the Gemara. So therefore, for example, just very quickly, for example, if a hot piece of meat were to fall into a cold, a cold, I know I have some trouble saying, a cold bowl of milk, as much as Shmuel says to say Gavar, and therefore it should be treated like a cold mixture, the Shokhanach Paskins, yes, like Shmuel to say Gavar, but the meat will require klipa. Right, you will have to remove an outer layer of meat. So again, let's get through the gemara. Then I'm here to show you the Allah Chalamaisa. Amar Rav, so Rav says, Basar Shkuta Shamein. We'll say another great sugya. Basar Shkuta Shamein. Shetzlo Basar Nevela Kachush. If you go ahead and you roast, you roast literally shechted meat that is fatty, and you shecht it together with nevela meat, which is kachush, which is weak. So we'll say. So now, what's happening over here? If you look at Rashi, Tab Rashi, Ayin Vavam at base seventy six B. So we'll say the case over here is as follows. It's a great case. So we'll say, so imagine for a moment, you have an oven. Now remember again, really all this oven is, is a big metal utensil. Inside of that big metal utensil, you have a fire burning on the ground. Right? Over the fire, you have two spits. One spit has a mamish, a zaftig, fatty, kosher animal, right? And the other one has a little nebuchal uh, nevela animal. Right? Now they're cooking together. The spits are 10 feet apart. They're cooking together, however, in the same metal receptacle, over the same fire. So what's the halacha? Aser. Rav says, Rav says, the kosher meat will be aser. Why is that? My taima mefatmi mehadadi. So what it literally means is, they fatten each other up. Now if you look, go back to Atzah Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says, Betano sheshipudim aser sharech min hashemen nichnas lakachosh o mefatmo Watch this. This is wild. Rav says, the aroma, the reach, the aroma of 
the kosher animal, enters into the nevela animal, and then as a result, kind of cooks up the nevela animal. The nevela animal then emits its reach. It goes into the kosher animal. They're exchanging reach, aroma or scent. And Rav holds reicha nilsihi. Rav holds that aroma is considered to be halachically real. And therefore, the animals, well, the, we don't, the nevela obviously is not kosher, but the kosher animal will become will become Asr. Now, I will say, the Chiddush over here is that even if it's the kosher animal that is the fatty one, we still assume that ultimately, again, mefatme mehadadi, literally means they fatten each other up. So they exchange reach, they exchange aroma, and therefore, halacha lamaisa, the kosher animal will be Asr. Valevi Yom Ralevi says, no. Afilu basar shechuta kachos shetzloim basar nevel shamein mutter. Lady says, not true. Even if the kosher animal is the nebuchal one, and the nevela is the zaftig one. Even in that case, the kosher animal will still be mutter. My taima reicha ba'amu. Abosid, this is such an incredibly important sugya, right? Because Levi says it's reicha ba'amu. It's just say now reicha. We could translate it as scent, aroma, steam, right? It's reicha ba'amu. It's it's just it's, it's just reach. The reicha lav nosuhu. And Abosid, aroma, steam, scent is not tangible. So because it's not tangible, therefore, Allah Kalamai says, halachically insignificant. We'll say an incredibly important halacha. We'll say, you understand, by the way, again, we're going to have to add this to Allah Kalamai, but we'll say, but this is an incredibly important sugya in the realm of using the same oven for milchik sinflashik, right? This, this is the sugya. I mean, here it's kasher and shreif, but it's the same sugya. So here we go. Ovid Levi, Uvda Beresh Galusa. This is wild. Big Divadavar Acher. So Levi, Levi went according to his reasoning, and I was in the house of the Reish Galusa in one tanor. One tanor, they were, they were roasting on one spit a kosher animal, and on one spit davar acher, a pig, right? A chazer. Now, I say, now, why they were roasting a chazer in the house of the Reish Galusa is not immediately clear. The simple answer could be the Reish Galusa employed many Gentiles as well. So maybe they were just non-Jewish individuals going ahead and, you know, whatever it was. He'll say, but this is, can, can you imagine, can you imagine this today? Right? Can you imagine, right? Mamish, they, they, they would run this guy to town, Levi. Right? So Levi, Levi was allowing the roasting of a kosher animal next to a chazer in the same metal receptacle in the house of the Reish Galusa. Because you're going to both say, because Reish Galusa, what's, what's happening? Tell me what's happening over here. Remember, two spits, 10 feet apart, 20 feet apart, 30, it doesn't matter. Five feet apart, doesn't make a difference. The most that's happening over here is transference of Reicha, of Reach. And Reach is Lav Nulsihi. Meisver is a kasha. It's interesting. You can't shech two carbon Pesachs together because of an issue of taroves, because of forbidden mixtures, because of forbidden mixtures. So therefore, again, we'll say the Gemara says, my love taroves tamim. So we'll say, what does this mean? A taroves of what? A taroves of what? So we'll say, so the Gemara, so is it not that we're concerned about taroves of, of flavor? So we'll say, so imagine this for just a moment. Now remember, it's interesting. I don't know enough of, uh, of enough of uh, carbon Pesach history. Jeremy, you're going to WhatsApp your sister about this one also. Hey, so the, uh, so, uh, you know, carbon Pesach history. So I don't know how I always imagine that they were always roasting it on open fires. It could very well be that they maybe use these metal containers, which obviously allows the animal to cook faster, which, which is interesting, right? This tanner, which apparently is permitted. So halacha lemaisa, halacha lemaisa, if you have imagine you have two chaburas who are roasting their carbon pesach 
inside of the same metal utensil. So the Gemara says, you're not allowed to cook two carbon paste, you're not allowed to roast two carbon paste together because of a fear of taroves. I will say, now taroves means what? Mixture. My love taroves tam in the kashi levi. Doesn't that mean taroves a flavor? A flavor. I will say, what kind of taroves are you worried about over here? That worried about the aroma of carbon pesach, A, is going to get into carbon pesach, B, and vice versa, to which the Gemara says, lo, nitnei taroves gufin. No, no, no. I say, it's not taroves of flavors. What are we concerned about? that you may come to mix up the carbonos, right? Because remember, I will say, I would assume that lambs on a spit pretty much look the same. So therefore, I will say, Salach if Chabura Aleph and Chabura Beis are both roasting their Pesach together, it's easy to imagine, especially after a couple of cups of wine, right, which is part of the night of the Seder, that you forget which Pesach was yours. So therefore, we don't want two Chaburas going in and roasting their Pesachim together. Nothing to do with aroma, actually mixing up the bodies of the carcasses. How can I understand what the Tani Well, this makes sense, because what does it say later on? Even if one Chabura is using a Gedi, Gedi is a goat, and one Chabura is using a lamb, so we'll say, if you say we're concerned about mixing up the actual animals, it makes sense. Even meaning a rose, the Gemara is saying, even if they're using two different animals, apparently a shechted goat and a shechted lamb look different. See, even if you're going to say they're using two different animals, therefore again they could tell there is still there's a concern. But if you say the, the concern ultimately is one of transference of aroma. Then I'm say it makes no difference if one is a lamb, one is a sheep, or both are sheep, or both are, or, or both are sheep, or both are goats. Elamai al karachach mivnei taaroves gufin hu daaser, aval taaroves shari, aval taaroves tamim shari. Rather, you see, I will say that when the brace is concerned and doesn't want two chaburas roasting their carbonos together, that's why we're concerned that they may mix up the actual carbonos. But we're not concerned about what a transfer of aroma, one from the other. Why? Because apparently what we're saying is, it's Recha Ba'alma, it's only aroma. The Recha Lav Nilsa, an aroma, scent, steam. I shouldn't really, I should really take steam out of this, because steam is Zaya, and Zaya is really a little bit something. We'll, we'll call it, we'll call it just aroma and scent, really is halachically meaningless. So the Gemara says, So should this not be a refutation of the position of Rav, right? This clearly shows that we're not concerned about the transference of aroma or scent. This should refute the position of Rav. To which the Gemara says, Rabbi Yirmiya, what's the case? The case of is where you're roasting the two Pesachs in two different Kederas. Rabbi Yirmiya, Kederas literally means a pot. What are you talking about two different pots? You're not allowed to roast a carbon Pesach in a pot at all. So what are you talking about? To which the Gemara says, Rather, what it means is that you're roasting them in, it's like they're in two different kederas. Rashi points out, This is very interesting. It's true, you may be roasting them in one metal receptacle, but the spits are separated by a pile of rocks in between them. Right? Or I should say, a pile of coals or a pile of rocks. The point over here could very well be in this case, there's no possibility for transference of aroma. This is what it means to say. You're not allowed to shech two carbon pesachs together out of a concern that they may get mixed up. What does it mean, a mixture? First wide line. It means, again, a mixture of taste. This is Levi's interpretation. That we are concerned over here about reach, 
a transference of aroma, not taste, of aroma. And even in a case where, let's say, you built a pile of coals in between the two carbonos, so there's no concern of transference of reach. Nevertheless, it's still going to be Asr, Mishum Taroves Gufin, because of a concern, ultimately, again, that you may actually come to mix up the Kawanos themselves. And even if one is a goat and one is a lamb, there is still a concern of a mix up. So, according to Levi, according to Levi, there really will be, well, according to Rab, I should say, there really will be two concerns over here, one of Reach and one of mixing up the Karbanos. According to Shmuel, only a concern, I'm sorry, just the opposite. According to Levi, only one concern of mixing up the Karbanos. According to Rav, excuse me, two concerns of both mixing up the Karbanos as well as a concern of transference of Reach. So I will say, so now remember, Two major machlokism so far on this on this on this blot. Machlokis number one, Eloi Gavar, Tesai Gavar, Machlokis Rabin Shmuel. I'll tell you right now, Halokalamis we passkin like Shmuel, Tesai Gavar. Now what about in this second discussion? Reach Milsa, Recha Milsi, Recha Lav Milsi, Levi saying Recha Lav Milsihi, Rav saying Recha Milsihi. We'll see that Halokalamisa, we essentially are paskin like Levi of Recha lav milsei, but it's going to be a qualified levy, just like it was a qualified shmuel of the saigavar. It's going to be a qualified levy as well. Let's go a little bit weiter. Amar Amari, we'll say quickly. So Amari says, "Kitanoi, this machlokes of recha milsei is a machlokes tanoi." We'll say this is such a great case. Harol de pascham avenas labi chavis yain shal truma. We'll say what happens if you take hot bread? Watch this. You take hot bread and you put it on top of a barrel of truma wine. This is a great case. Hot bread on top of truma wine. Now, we'll say, and I remember again, this is my bread. I'm a Yisrael. I can't eat truma. So I put hot bread on top of truma wine. Get ready for this. Rabbi Meir says, Asr. Asr. Rabbi Huda Matir. And Rabbi Huda says that it's motor. So we'll say, Pashtas, what's happening over here? Well, well let's see. Rabbi Yossi Matir Bashal. Chitin. Vaosa Bashal. Saorim. Memesh Hesorim Shabbos. Rabbi Yossi says, it is motor if it was a loaf of wheat bread. Asr, if it was a loaf of barley bread, because barley absorbs. So we'll say, so obviously what's happening, or what's the machlokes? The machlokes is, does the bread absorb the vapors of the wine, right? The wine, a wine emits aroma, it emits reach. Does the bread absorb the aroma? If the bread absorbs the aroma, then I, the Israel, now again, it's, it's two questions. Number one, does bread absorb aroma? And then question number two is what? Number two is what? Is the, is the absorption of truma aroma problematic or not. My love, Tanoihi, is this not a machlokes? Demar sava reicha lav milsihi. One opinion holds that halacha lamaisa reicha is insignificant and therefore the bread is going to be totally permitted. Umar sava reicha milsihi. And one opinion holds that vapor, right, or right, or aroma is significant and therefore the bread is viewed as having absorbed truma and halacha lamaisa is going to be aser. To which the Gemara says, Lelevi, According to Levi, ultimately, again, it is definitely a machlokes tanoiv. So also remember, again, Levi needs it to be a machlokes tanoiv, right? Because I will say, otherwise, again, the previous, the previous prices contradict Levi. So according to Levi, it's only going to be a machlokes tanoiv. Rav, neima tanoihi. So Rav, so according to Rav, Rav should also say that this is a machlokes tanoim. Rav, Rav will say like this, According to Rav, will say, everyone agrees that halacha lemaisa, that halacha lemaisa, reicha milsihi, that reach is significant. So the Gemara says, 
Lav Itmar Allah, that he Amrabarachan Amrish Lakish, the Paschama Vachavis Psucha Divrakos, was in our qualification, Braisa. Everyone agrees in the following case. If the bread is hot and the barrel is open, everyone will agree that the bread is usser. Because again, everyone will agree that in that case, open barrel, open barrel, hot bread, the bread definitely absorbs from the wine. Again, when we say absorbs, the reach of the wine. Similarly, if the bread is cold and the barrel is closed, everyone agrees, no absorption occurs over here. We'll say, what's the Machlokis case? Hot bread, closed barrel. Or cold bread, open barrel. So the Gemara says, we'll say, and this case over here, of the two Pesachim, right, two Karim Pesachs roasting in one oven together, is like a case of like a case of hot bread and an open barrel. So we'll say, Allah Halamaisa, the Gimar wants to suggest that this discussion of Recha Milsa is in fact a machlokes tanoim. Is Recha significant? And I just want to point out that remember, remember, this case is not a totally fair case. Why? Because Allah Halamaisa, you're dealing with Truma. And it is possible, it is possible that Truma may be treated differently than anything else. Say, let's go, we have another minute. Uh, Actually, we'll have another minute. We'll, all right, we'll, see, no, we'll stop over here. We'll pick up with this. Oh, let's quickly. Tiny Rav Kahn. No, we'll stop. We'll, see, we'll stop over here. We'll pick up because, again, it's, uh, this, this case actually happens to be a great case as well. We'll stop over. We'll pick up Emir Hashem at this period tomorrow. We'll see you.